Hello and welcome to the first episode in the Ashworth Competition Disputes podcast. In this series, we'll be covering recent developments in competition litigation and class actions in the UK. My name is Fiona Garside and I'm a senior expertise lawyer at Ashurst in London. I'm delighted to be joined today by Anna Morphy, who recently joined our team as a partner, and Max Strasberg, a senior associate, who both work on competition disputes in our London office. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Fiona. Good to be here. Thanks, Fiona. Hi. Today we're talking about class actions in the UK. After a slow start to the regime, the last few years have seen a significant increase in the number of actions being filed. And we've also seen the CAT and appeals courts grappling with issues relating to certification. Anna, what trends have emerged in the types of cases being brought? Well, I think one of the um, main things that you notice from looking back um, over the past year in, in the collective actions that have been filed in the Competition Appeal Tribunal, the CAT, um, is that the numbers are ramping up and up. We had quite a slow start, as, as you've sort of alluded to um, at the beginning of the regime. Quite a lot of cases were backed up uh, behind uh, one case, Merricks, that went to the Supreme Court. Um, since then, we had, I, I think in 2021, there were, there were I think, seven claims filed. Uh, there have been seven filed in the year prior to that. Last year, I, I think there were 12, possibly 13. Um, they're not all up on the on the CATS website yet. A few were announced in December, so right at the end of last year. But um, clearly the volume of cases that the CAT is seeing um, is, is going up and up. And I think we can expect to see uh, more coming this year. So I think there are totally um, 25 that are, that are in front of the CAT at the moment. Um, and that's after just a couple of years of the regime. So the numbers are quite uh, noticeable and I think we'll, we'll continue to see that uptick this year. Um, interestingly, again, the, the majority of these claims are what we call standalone claims for, for abuse of dominance. Um, I think when the regime was sort of initially conceived, I think that the feeling was that these claims are likely to be um, follow on class actions further to regulators' infringement decision in, in probably likely to be cartel type cases. What we've in fact seen, um, and this was true last year of the cases that were filed, is that there's quite a lot of cases um, that are alleging abuse of dominant positions by, in a lot of cases, against big tech. Um, and that was a theme of last year. We saw uh, cases filed against Apple, against Google, against Amazon, um, and against Qualcomm in relation to chipsets in, in um, electronic products and, and mobile phones and so on. Uh, so there has been quite a trend um, for, for those sort of cases. And that, I think, follows a, a theme from the previous year as well. In fact, I think last year there were only two uh, follow-on uh, cartel um, class actions that were filed. One was further to the European Commission's cables cartel, and one was further to uh, the, the UK regulator, the CMA's uh, decision in relation to musical instruments. So that's um, that's another theme, really, that there's been quite a lot of what we'd call standalone um, abusive dominance cases against big tech. Um, there's also been this theme of, of having quite a wide variety, maybe um, quite a, a creative um, notion of what amounts to an abuse of dominance. Obviously, the, the, the collective action regime in the UK is sort of rather confined to, to needing to, to relate to a competition dispute. You can only bring collective actions in relation to competition disputes and not in, in relation um, to other types of disputes. And I think that has led to um, a, you know, increasingly creative um, interpretations of what a, a competition dispute is so that this 
uh, class action mechanism can be deployed. And I think we've seen that in the types of cases that have been filed um, over the past year. There are some are more notable than others, but for example, um, the, the case against uh, Facebook now Meta um, that relates to um, you know what you might think of largely as, as data related practices um, is being is being brought as a competition claim. Um, at the end of last year, there was a claim uh, that was um, announced in relation to uh, dumping of the raw sewage by the water companies and so on. Again, that's that's something that you know you might consider is more of a, an environmental, possibly a consumer uh, type claim rather than um, classically a competition um, infringement. So we've seen last year as well, um, this, this continuing trend of sort of a, a wide variety of, of alleged abuses in this sort of claim. Um, there's still a trend as we'd expect, I think for opt out consumer claims um, that the class action regime in the UK allows claims to be brought on an opt out or an opt in basis. Um, obviously, that the, these are predominantly being brought as, as opt-out claims, um, and that is the benefit of, of having this class action regime. Um, there have been a few opt-ins and a few business claims uh, that have been brought, um, and notably there were two business um, interchange uh, collective actions that were brought in the summer uh, that were brought on an, on an opt-in basis to further ones that were brought on an opt-out basis. We've also seen a business um, opt-in collective action brought uh, by the Road Haulage Association against the trucks cartel. So we do see a bit of business claims and a bit of opt-in being used, uh, but the trend is still for, for opt-out. Thanks, Anna. As you say, some novel theories of harm being put forward in some of these cases, and it'll be interesting to follow those as they progress. Now, taking a step back, the first step in this process is certification. As listeners may be aware, the Supreme Court effectively lowered the bar certification in its December 2020 judgment in Merricks, and this led to a few cases being certified in 2021. Max, how is the CAT approaching certification now? Are there any key themes emerging from 2022? Well, it's, it's definitely a good time to look back because it's been a couple of years since the Supreme Court judgment in Merricks, which, as you said, Fiona, is often seen as the catalyst uh, that really got this regime going. And it's fair to say that there's been quite a shift in the CAT's attitude since that judgment, a move away from a reasonably detailed consideration of how the claim would be made out to something closer to the standard that be applied in a strikeout context. And that's entirely consistent with what the Supreme Court said, refocusing the debate around whether the claim has a real prospect of success and away from a mini merits assessment. And so we're now in a world where most claims are being certified. Uh, eight in 2022, uh, only two of those are follow-ons, which are the RHA claim Anna mentioned earlier, um, and Mark McLaren's claim arising from the Maritime Car Carriers Cartel. Uh, all the others are standalone abuse of dominance cases, which again shows an increased appetite to use the CPO mechanism. Um, you've got the witch claim against Qualcomm about um, LTE chipsets, um, David Boyle's claim against various rail companies about differences in prices charged for travel on the same route with different types of tickets. You've got Elizabeth Cole's claim against Google relating to the use of the Play Store and Android devices. Um, and Rachel Kent's claim against Apple, which is similar relating to how the App Store works in the iOS environment. And then Justin Gutman's claim um, in the Boundary Fares litigation, which is about customers traveling into London from 
outside the TFL fare zone being charged twice for the same um, for the part of their journey that is within that zone, but also covered by their travel card. And you get another sense of the more permissive environment uh, we're now in when you look at the CPO applications that failed this year, because none of them really failed as a result of the merits of the claim itself. So the Evans and O'Higgins claims against the banks relating to Forex failed because of problems with the pleadings and the fact that they were brought um, on an opt-out basis. Uh, they were told to go away, regroup, and try again, and that's under appeal. David Boyle continued as the sole class representative when Edward Vermeer was not approved, thereby allowing the claim against the rail companies to continue. UKTC's rival CPU application to the Road Haulers Association failed in large part because the CAT preferred the RHA's opt-in structure and class definition, and that one's also under appeal. And finally, there's the compare the market claim, which was withdrawn after the CMA's underlying decision was annulled. But nowhere here do you see the cat really saying, no, forget it, this claim has no prospect of success. I think we've also seen that um, in relation to the, the judgments that have gone on appeal and the appeal judgments that were handed down last year. They've, they've both um, of them been pretty favourable uh, to the claimants, to the proposed class representatives in terms of getting uh, this regime off the ground. Um, there were two uh, notable Court of Appeal judgments in this space last year. The, the first one back early towards the start of the year uh, was in the case of um, Le Patterel against BT. Uh, he was bringing a claim um, on behalf of um, largely older customers who um, use uh, BT's uh, voice-only uh, packages rather than taking a bundled package that involves uh, broadband and so on. That BT's appeal against the CAT certification of that uh, claim um, focused on the fact that this should be an opt-in claim, not an opt-out claim, and that appeal was unsuccessful. So the CAT certification stood. Um, the other appeal that was that was brought in and decided last year was um, against the uh, earlier boundary fares uh, um, appeals, um, where there were questions around uh, whether individual causation needs to be shown for um, claimants to, to claim. Um, that would have thrown up quite a few hurdles for not just sort of the regime generally, but um, the, Mr. Gutman's claim um, in that instance. And the Court of Appeal was effectively having none of it. Um, and they were very clear um, that the claim as certified um, could, could progress. Um, so again, we've had two Court of Appeal judgments We'll come on to talk about the fact that we're expecting some more um, in the coming year, but um, two court of appeal judgments that have been pretty favourable to effectively allowing the regime to proceed um, and allowing the class representatives to continue with their cases. So I think defendants can expect to see not just a, a reasonably low uh, threshold for getting these claims certified by the CAT, but also um, quite a high bar then set in the court of appeal for, for those um, certifications to be uh, to be um, revoked. Thanks, Ruth. Following certification, Max, are there any other procedural issues which listeners should be aware of? Well, we've seen some interesting case management from the CAT in the last year. So, again, consistent with the lower certification threshold, the CAT started certifying some claims on the spot. Uh, this happened in Kent v. Apple and then again in Colby Google. Um, we're starting to see the issue of split trials come up as well. Uh, Apple asked for one in the Kent claim 
but was unsuccessful because the CAT thought that a unitary trial would allow the case to be tried quicker. And that's been set down uh, for the first available date in October uh, 2024, which is actually quite speedy when you remember it was only certified in June 2022. And that contrasts with the Boyle claim where a split trial was ordered, albeit this was essentially done by consent. Uh, there seemed to be agreement there that dealing with quantum at a second stage could save a lot of expense um, if it turns out that the claim falls down at the liability stage. And we started to see uh, some new defensive tactics in these types of claims. So in the McLaren claim relating to maritime shipping, a number of defendants wrote 20 or so letters over the summer to large businesses that fall within the class, trying to persuade them to opt out. Uh, one feature of the communications was um, the burden that those entities may face when the defendants start making heavy disclosure applications against them. And the CAT was asked to step in and ordered the defendants to, to stop doing that. Uh, and it mentioned that these types of communications undermine uh, the collective proceedings regime uh, as a whole. We've also started to, to see some interventions. So, for example, the CMA intervened in Colby Google, and the Secretary of State for Transport has also intervened in the Gutman and Boyle claims against Govia. And finally, it's probably worth saying uh, that the CAT is bound to have to deal with a carriage dispute sooner or later, which is to decide between two rival and overlapping CPO applications. Uh, this could have come up in Forex or trucks, but didn't really. And I think it's only a matter of time before the CAT has to engage squarely with that issue. So it's been a very busy and interesting 2022. Now, if we look forward to 2023, what are we expecting to see from the CAT this year? Well, I mean, interestingly, as uh, Max has alluded to, there's there's going to be the first trial on uh, liability, which is it going to be in the Boyle versus Govia um, uh, claim in relation to uh, rail ticketing. And that is due to be um, held in the summer of 2023. Um, that is certainly the uh, the fastest moving um, the fastest moving case in terms of getting a, a trial on. Although, as Max mentioned, um, this is a, a split trial, so they're going to to discuss liability this summer, and um, quantum will then causation and quantum, I should say, will then follow on. Uh, in due course. Um, so that's the only one that's set down for trial this year um, in the collective space so far. Uh, we've got Le Passerelle versus BT, the case I mentioned earlier, which is um, scheduled for the start of 2024. And then as Max mentioned, the Kent versus Apple in relation to the, um, the App Store fees, which is going to be October 2024. So we've, we've currently got three uh, trials the trial windows that, that we know about. Um, we're obviously expecting to, to see more being listed during the course of this year. Um, on the appeals front, um, UK trucks claims and um, the defendants are both appealing against the RHA's certification um, in the trucks uh, follow-on litigation. Um, I think we're expecting a court appeal hearing sometime in the first half of, of this year. Um, we're also expecting the Court of Appeal to hear the, um, the Forex opt-out claims appeals. So they were the ones that Max uh, was referring to, uh, neither of which got certified by the CAT. Um, they have been appealed. So, so we're expecting that to happen um, in April as well. Um, the, the last appeal to mention um, in connection with this year um, is, is one that's going to be heard in the Supreme Court. This also relates to uh, the trucks 
uh, litigation um, and and a question that was raised by one of the defendants in, in that uh, in that litigation DAF um, about effectively the legitimacy of uh, of the funding arrangements in collective actions whether effectively the funding arrangements um, that are necessary for claimants to be able to bring these cases um, are effectively unlawful because they amount to damages-based agreements. Now, thus far, um, that argument has been unsuccessful. Um, the CAT and the Court of Appeal have said, no, these are not uh, damages-based agreements. These are not DPAs. The funding arrangements are lawful. Uh, the Supreme Court recently indicated that they would um, hear that appeal, and I think we're expecting that to be heard in February. So we should get some some sort of, uh, final decision on that. We would hope during the course of 2023 from the Supreme Court. That's going to be a really important point. Obviously, not just for the trucks collective actions, but for collective actions in general, um, because the question that the Supreme Court will effectively be deciding um, is whether uh, funding agreements amount to damages-based agreements and are therefore unlawful um, in the context of collective actions. Um, that would impact likely every single uh, funding agreement that, that we're seeing. And so it could be great ammunition for defendants, could be a bit of a shock to the regime if um, those judgments are reversed by the Supreme Court. How about in terms of certification, Max, are we expecting any interesting judgments this year? I think we can probably expect the certification trend to continue. Um, the CAT's got a busy docket this year. Um, on the CPO front, it's, it's hearing the meta claim uh, at the end of January, um, Gutman uh, versus Govia in March, um, the interchange claims against MasterCard and Visa that Anna mentioned earlier in April, and then Gutman v. Apple in, in May. And then there are other big claims uh, awaiting a hearing. Um, there's the, the Spottiswood claim relating to power cables, the BSV claims relating to cryptocurrency, the Neil claim against Sony concerning the use of the PlayStation Store, and then there's the Hunter claim against Amazon concerning the use of the buy box. Um, with the momentum the regime's gathering, you can only expect more claims to be filed in the future. Um, there have already been some uh, to be uh, updated on the CATS website. It, it'll be really interesting to see whether the, the current trend of standalone abuse of dominance claims uh, continues or whether we see a resurgence of collective follow-on claims or cartel claims or, or both. Um, but of course, how much momentum we continue to see depends in large part on where the Supreme Court comes out on the funding issue in trucks that Anna just mentioned, because that's going to be really important. I think something else that's going to be interesting um, to watch, Max, is, is the how, how the case management develops um, over the course of this year. Obviously, we're seeing more and more of these cases being brought. Um, I, I think something to, to watch is going to be how these collective claims interact um, and are managed alongside the more traditional claims that are also in front of the cat. Um, so, for instance, in, in the interchange litigation, um, aside from there being hundreds of sort of regular retailer claims um, that are being brought against MasterCard and Visa, um, we're seeing not just the, the Merrick's consumer um, class action that has been filed and, and is progressing in the CAT, um, but also, as we've mentioned, there are, there are four um, retailer collective claims that have been filed last year, that were filed last summer um, in the CAT. So now there are effectively five 
um, interchange collective actions that um, are out there um, and how the CAT deals with those uh, five claims alongside the existing hundreds of retailer claims that are progressing um, is something that it will be I think quite instructive for us all to to look at how that is um, is dealt with, um, it, you know, from the from the Visa and Mastercard perspective. Um, there's going to be um, an enormous amount of work there in terms of coordinating that litigation, and and from any of the individual sort of retailer claimants or um, those running the group, uh, the collective litigation. Um, there's going to be a lot of case management considerations there. Um, and then also we've seen, as you mentioned, in um, in the cables litigation, there are several um, individual claims that the CAD is dealing with in relation to the cables cartel. And on top of that, we now have the, um, the collective action that was filed last year. So lots to see in that uh, in, in the next year or so. And, um, and we'll be reporting back in another podcast coming your way in the next few weeks. Thank you both for that interesting overview. There's clearly a lot going on, and as Anna said, we'll be watching closely to see how these cases progress, particularly as the regime begins to grapple with issues that are likely to arise when the substance of the cases is heard. If you're interested in keeping up to date with competition litigation developments, then watch out for the next episode in this podcast series. And to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes, do subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast platform. And while you're there, please feel free to keep the conversation going and leave us a rating or review. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.